Hey everyone, Andre Scambola here, and we are back for another episode of the Ponytails Podcast. This is going to be our season six finale, so hopefully uh, you guys enjoy this one. It is with one of the most impressive people I have ever met in my time uh, since Southwestern. Uh, it's Ron Alfred. We're here with him today. We'll talk a little bit more, more, more about Ron in a second. Um, a quick couple of updates for you guys. If you haven't signed up for a newsletter, be sure to do so. Thank you so much for those of you who have signed up. It is live. We're releasing that once a month. It's a good way to support us so you can find out what's been happening uh, here on the show. So hopefully you guys enjoy. If this is your first episode, um, thank you and welcome uh, to the show. Uh, and if you don't know what we're doing, what the heck this whole thing's about, why it's called the Pony Fields Podcast, I'll just enlighten you. We are uh, here interviewing people who sold books door to door with a company called Southwestern Advantage. Now, we're not affiliated with the company in any way. The company's been around since 1865. All connections that we have to this company is that I myself and some of the people on our team here on the show sold with this company. We sold books to help families with homework for 80 hours a week on straight commission for 12 weeks during our summers. Crazy idea. But it's been one of the most exp uh, amazing experiences that I've ever had for good and for, for bad. And uh, all around, it's been uh, really interesting to get to hear some of the stories from these people who did this program for one summer or more summers and kind of have them tell us about where they're at now and what that experience did to them in their life and how it affected them. And their trajectory it's been a super cool ride so far all of our episodes have been super insightful you guys go check out the rest of them uh but thank you for being here at this one my guest today uh is like i said ron alford so he is one of the most legendary people who ever did this program there's a hundred thousand living alumni out there in the world who did this thing and he sits at the number three all-time most products sold ever in this company which is a pretty pretty impressive feat um, he sold nine full summers with Southwestern, uh, did another four uh, part summers once he hit the district sales manager level, and then stayed with the company for another eight years after that. So he was in for a total of 20 years with Southwestern. Uh, he was part of the SEEDS organization, later on turned it into the Redline organization. He went to the state, uh, to the Seattle Pacific University, uh, originally obviously from Seattle himself. If you want to reach him, uh, Ron Alford Coach at his, is his Instagram handle, at Ron Alford Coach. Um, you guys will see it on the screen periodically pop up so you can get a hold of Ron if you need to say hello. If you're an old friend that hasn't heard from him, him in a while, uh, you can go say hi to him there. A couple of fun facts about Ron as well. He has, uh, at the time when he left Southwestern, he had one of the really cool stats that I really appreciate is that uh, he was the only person at that till that point to have hit 12,000 units or more four times which is really really impressive uh nowadays a unit is worth like eight dollars in profit so and that's not bad for a summer <laughs> uh it's like 72 grand for the summer not a bad check um and i think one of the most impressive things uh about his mentality and we're going to hear about this uh, as he's on the show is that he hit more utley which is one of the level but or the benchmarks in sales he hit more 75 times in his career, which is really, really impressive. Talks a lot about consistency and mentality. Um, we're gonna get to hear a little bit more about uh, what goes into doing some feet like that. And so hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, I would like to welcome the show. Once we're back from this, run out. Ponytails podcast, here we go. Boom. And we're live, sir. How's it going? 
Andres, how are you? <laughs> I'm so good. So happy to have you here. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, what a good time. What a good time to be alive. How I, always are you, sir? About, I always hear about the guests and the people that are sharing and rapping and all that with you, man. And, and fun to finally be a part of this. I do. I'm so excited. When we started the show, I remember we were dreaming. It's like, can you imagine some of the more amazing guests, like some of those big names that we talked about, you know, like Dustin Hillis, Dave Rosen, Ron Alford. Like you were, you were one of the people that was a North star for us to keep doing this and to keep growing because we'd like to celebrate people who did this program and you deserve a lot of celebration uh, for, for who you are, man. So I'm happy that you're here and I'm honored. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. It's fun to be here. It's obviously a, a, a big part of each of our backgrounds, you know, the Southwestern world. So yeah, what a ride, right? <clears throat> what a ride. Um, well, let's dive in. I know we, I got you for a little bit of time here. And so uh, let me just dig right into this thing. Uh, catch us up. I mean, I, the last time I heard from you, you mid 2010s when you left and, and you were kind of like looking to do uh, going to the coaching thing. T catch us up. What have you been up to? Well, what are you what are you doing nowadays? And uh, yeah, let's just let's just dive in. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually uh, when I started 94 in the, the Southwestern family and did 20 years. And then actually it was summer of 2013, 2013 that I, I knew that was it, man. It was my last, my last year it was 20 years on the button. And, uh, just was like, man, I've never made a resume in my life. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just looked around I mean, it took that, took a lot of that year. It took about five or six months to go shadow and look around and think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very loyal, loyal person by nature. My sports teams, my music, my, my jobs. And, and I, just knew whatever I was going to do next was probably going to be the long game, right? It was going to be forever. And uh, so I really wanted to make the right choice. And so I interviewed a lot of different places, finally decided to actually stay with the family, with, with Southwestern family, <clears throat> moved over to Southwestern consulting and uh, been here ever since. So that's where yeah, I'm at now. Fun. And, and uh, as of today, literally just, just wrapping up my day right now with them. Love it. I love it. And big shout out also to Will Metry. He's one of our partners here on the show. He's hiring also with Southwestern Consulting. You know Will pretty well. He's one of the better coaches out there. Um, I yeah, did. If I you guys are a Spartan beast race two weeks ago, Andres. So Will is in <laughs> Seattle. He's like, you know, and I'm a I'm a ultra runner, but I don't do like you know monkey bar crap. And uh, Will's like, dude, I'm gonna be in Seattle doing one of my Spartans. You got to join us. And so. He talked me into not just doing the sprint or the super or whatever they call it, but some beast. And uh, so we just did that like two weeks ago. It was awesome. Oh, Will Metro is a beast. So that makes sense. He's doing that. He He's awesome. We love him lots. If you guys have questions about what consulting is and how you guys can get involved, let us know. We'll get you in touch with Will, by the way. Um, but now, okay, let's, let me dig into this real quick. You're, I didn't know we were going to get into this this early, but I want to talk about this because you're, you said you're an ultra runner. We've had a couple of people who were ultra runners here on the show before, but you're the one of the few, few people I remember that I know personally that like did the hundred mile race, right? Mm -hmm. and the, like where you ran that. Now, now you broke your foot through this race. Is this is this accurate? Am I remember the story correctly? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about tell me about this. <laughs> yeah. So the the shorter version, and you can go as deep as you want. But I had for a lot of years done the traditional 
like half marathon, marathon street stuff and just got so dang addicted to my watch. And it just was not fun. It was, I was always beating myself up over my time. And, and finally I went out and started doing some mountain stuff and the trails and I just loved it because it wasn't like one mile is not equal, right? I mean, a mile there is so different and, and <laughs> you have a 20 minute mile sometimes, you know? And uh, so I just fell in love with it, did a lot of stuff that, that there was no metal, there was no race. It was just, you know, on your own. And uh, did a 50K, did some 50 milers, and then finally said, okay, I want to do that. The Mecca did a 100 miler in um, east of Santa Barbara, in the, like a place called Los Olivos, the, the kind of foothills out there. And did it with a buddy. The first, we started at 6 p.m. with, you know, headlamps pretty quick. And uh, 62 miles in, we were still together. And my foot and ankle were just, I mean, it was like limp mode for sure. And you never know, you know, I was, I was just, you know, struggling to, to move, let alone run. And, you know, you know, running or any, any athletics, you never know what's a real injury versus what just hurts, but you got to push through it. Right. And so I'm, I'm just, you know, praying this is just a, something that hurts, but I got to push through it. So 30, the next 38 miles gridded out, man. Like I, I borrowed a person's, uh, uh, you know, the poles to kind of help take off the weight to, to be able to limp a little better. And then, uh, went, went home, finished the hundred miler, flew back home a couple, a couple days later, and then went and got it diagnosed. It was actually a pretty severe stress fracture. So it wasn't like a full traditional break, but it was stress fracture of the foot, which I was in a walking cast for a couple of weeks. And so it was, God. it sucked. So, uh, so you only did 38 miles of the broken foot, not even half. Exactly. Come on, oh, man. man. Come on. Challenge yourself, will you? Like exactly. how how do you how 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 do you do that? Like to me, that sounds bananas, you see. To to us to, to us people that don't run, I've never ran a marathon, so a hundred miles is crazy. But how do you how do you push that boundary with your mind? How, what what was what, yeah. what what did you attach yourself to? You know, I, and I I think for any of the listeners that aren't into running. I don't know how else to describe it besides it's like life. It's a, it's like your marriage. It's like your businesses. It's like, it's just the whole, there's a lot of things I still struggle with and I'm working on and, and want to grow in. Thankfully, mental fortitude and persistence is not one of those. And I don't know the word stop. And it, and that, that's not always a good trait that can, that can bite you, of course. And, yeah. um, so there's, there's a time and place where quitting is the right thing to do. So, you know, and, and so for me personally though, and something like that, it's like, okay, if I can still move, you know, they, they always say run when you can walk, if you have to crawl, if you must just don't ever give up. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get to that dang finish line. And how, how, okay. This, you said a couple of things there that were super interesting. So when you say, when you say it could be a bad thing, has there been a time where in your life where you're like, okay, that was actually not good. And how do you discern through that? Cause, cause that's, I mean, that's hard for, especially book people who are like, are kind of not quitters because they're stubborn. <laughs> yeah. exactly. We're like, I gotta go. I gotta get to week 12. Right. Or whatever. How do, yeah. how, how, how have you found it to help be helpful to discern that? Cause that's, that's a tough call. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's even looking back, I've, I still struggle with it. Kind of knowing when to, to adjust. It doesn't have to be quit, but it's just course correct or adjust. How do I make a, an, an adjustment to my habits or to my routines or to maybe something I'm putting in my body 
um, you know, my, it could be my sleep schedule, it could be my morning routines, whatever it is, you know, a different thing we did the grand Canyon, I did quit. And, and that was one where we, we, I had trained and not prepared well enough and was basically in over my head, didn't prepare nearly as well as I should have. And was going to go rim to the other rim to the back to the rim. And before we got to the rim realized we were having severe, uh, heat, heat exhaustion. And there's a fine line between heat exhaustion and heat stroke. And when you get to heat stroke, your, your, your life's on the line. And we were throwing up and vomiting and both of us, my buddy and I both. And, uh, so about three and a half miles from the North rim, we decided to turn around and end our journey. And that was one where quitting really helped us and it, and it sucked. And we were so disappointed and so, you know, embarrassed because it was one of was, was goal. And, um, it, it's a hurt hit to your pride and all that, but it was like, thankfully we got out of the damn Canyon, flew back in three months and did it the right way and finished it. Oh, okay. That's sweet. You didn't give up on it at all. It didn't quit. You just restarted. Exactly. I remember looking at him in the eyes, my buddy Drew, who's also an alumni, a guy named Drew Clark. He sold books as well. And, uh, you know, just that, that moment we said, man, we got to turn around. We, we should have turned around a few hours ago. And uh, because it's a long way back down to the river and then to climb out of the South Rim that night. And it's the beginning of July. There's no one in this dang canyon. We were idiots for going to that, that season. But uh, Jeez. But anyway, long story short, we we looked each other in the eye. I said, okay, we, we have to turn around and get out of this thing as quick as we can. We'll be back. You promise me you're going to be back with me. We're going to do this. And so we made that decision right then that, that we would fly back more prepared. Wow. That's a lesson right there, though, because it's, it's just about the restart. Now, that's, that's, hard. that's hard for a book person to, to, to hear. Especially yep. the, the ones that lasted multiple summers, the ones that sold a lot, the ones that went far and became DSMs. It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you like swallow that? Right, that, that yep. idea of like, oh, hey, this is this is the best thing. There's a difference between quitting or going on and persisting and doing the smart thing. And in that case, for sure, I'm glad you turned around. Because yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, I mean, it took us 22 hours to get out of the stupid thing, and we didn't even finish. So that's so bananas, man. Yeah, that is bananas. Not a, not a fun deal. Oh. But it's just, you know, I, I think everyone on here can relate to there's it's the times that just humble us, man. That's what I love about Southwestern books is it just humbled you no matter what accolades and how much your summer check was and how many units you delivered and whatever it. it and, and even for your listeners that are non Southwestern alumni, like we can all relate to things that just. And that's part of what I love about ultra running is it's just, it breaks you. It doesn't allow you to get ego or arrogance. It just reminds you how small you are in a, in a good way and how uh, fragile you are. And I just right. love that. Love it. That's brilliant. Do hard things. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. Do, how do you, how do you prepare for something like that? This is the last question on this. I promise. <laughs> how do you prepare for like a hundred miles? You go on 130 and you're like, okay, cool. I can do hundred then. <laughs> you know, time on feet. I mean, TOF, it's like you, you get out and you just, it's very different than, you know, I used to do a lot of five K's and half marathons and all that, where it's just, you just get, it's, it's, it's hustle. It's quick. Right. But right. this is just purely, it's the long game. You eat meals. I mean, 
you know, you're, you're eating, you're not just living on goo, you're eating full because you, you need calories in that many hours. And so just time on feet. I spent a lot of time early Saturday morning, twice a month, you know, in the Cascade mountains or the, or the Olympic mountains or the foothills around Seattle. And, uh, you know, my, my weekdays, man, I'm all about family and my business. Like I'm, I'm up with my kids. I, I want to be done with work around five and I, I don't spend a ton of time, but I, I get at least two Saturdays a month where I go big. And, and that's usually early in the morning. My wife gives me permission. And then the other weekend days, the other, the rest of the month, I'm all in with my family and chilling and relaxing. And, but those, those two times I go big, get me prepared for the event. That's and you just go run like a ton. You just go. I do. I, you know, I, I don't train nearly as much as a lot of people that do this stuff though, because to me, part of the point of the event is not to be a top this or top that it's to suffer. And it's to learn how to suffer better. And so, you know, you've heard of the pain cave. Like the reality is if I'm doing a, I mean, I did an event just a couple weeks back that was just 15 miles, but it was hot as heck. And it was like really steep and technical single track trail, not to get too, uh, long story short, it kicked my butt. And I, and I, I mean, I was only about four or five miles in and I was, I was struggling. I was already feeling a lot of cramps and, and just the, 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 the terrain of this mountain was not ideal. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm only a third of the way into this sucker. I'm in the pain cave. Let's go. Now it's time to suffer. And it's like, I gotta, I gotta just get used to suffering for the next how many ever hours I could have trained more, but that would have sacrificed time with my family or on my business. So I'd rather train less and then suffer more on race day. Cause that's part of the, I don't know. It might sound yes. weird to some people, but no, that's that's wild. I I get it. I get it. It's it's the point of it is to the, is the challenge, not the not you the. Got it. It, it's literally the journey. When they say success is yeah. the journey, like that's literally the the point of you doing this. Is your mentality is not to finish the hundred miles. You could care less that that it's a hundred miles almost. It's just more the fact that miles sixty four. You're like, all right, <laughs> let's do this yeah. or whatever. And that's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, or yeah, let, let me, let me jump into, to, uh, some, uh, some Southwestern stuff as well. And, and kind of like, you know, jump around here. Um, before we do that quick shout out to Quentin Roberts, he gave us some advice this week. If you guys don't know, there were Cardinal senior benefits. Um, he's talking about the insurance game. Be sure to look at the culture of the companies that you're going into. If you're going into insurance, people in the industry fail because they don't have a good grasp on their money, but it's actually more because of the fact that, uh, they are not aware of the culture that they're joining. So make sure you join a company that you're willing to marry. That was good advice from Ron himself just now when he talked about when he moved on to the next company, make sure that's something that you really love. You're not just doing it for the money or for something dumb like that, but you actually enjoy that. So cool, good stuff. Thanks a lot. Uh, Cardinal Center Benefits, they are hiring. Let us know if you wanna hear more information about them. Um, hey Ron, okay, so question for you uh, on this. Um, when when you got recruited in Southwestern, I always like to wind the clocks back and go to the first summer. What do you what do you remember of that first experience when you first heard about Southwestern? Where were you? Sent me this picture. We're sitting there at Seattle Pacific University. How did you get into this thing? Yeah. Well, dude, I wish I was at Seattle Pacific University back then. So I was a military <laughs> kid in high school, went to high school in Alaska, came back, no idea what I wanted to do. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Was just jamming through through some classes at Tacoma Community College. Shout out to TCC. Let's go. (laughs) 
That's just up the road from here. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I was literally starting to train for boot camp for the Marine Corps. Both my older brothers were Marine vets. And uh, I was just like, well, what am I going to do, man? I'm going to probably just go into the Marines like my bros did. And, uh, and then, man, I was literally only a week before the summer. I was going into finals. And a buddy of mine, a guy uh, named Dave, that was already a month into his summer, he went to Washington State University on semester. So he was already a month into selling books his first summer. I was still going to school because we're on quarters. So right. May versus June, he uh, calls me and I think they had some program where like, you know, call your buddies at home and see if they can still, you can still recruit them. And uh, he's like, dude, I'm going to have someone call you. He may, might be a fit, might not. He gave me a great buying atmosphere, but man, you got to at least hear about this job I'm doing. It's, it's all, he's like, it's awesome. He didn't tell me much. <laughs> it's awesome. Sizzle, not the steak. The very yeah, dude. It's like, what? So I'm like, he's like, man, you run your own business. You make good money. You help families. You know, he gave me all the, so I was like, sure, I'll take a call, you know? And uh, I remember hearing, and I, and I, they sent a guy named Andrew Mead, who is a great alumni, good buddy. Um, they, they basically, they, Southwestern, sent him from Seattle, University of Washington, where he was recruiting down to Tacoma to meet with me for lunch. And, and I remember Andrew calling me and saying, Hey, can you meet for lunch tomorrow? I'll tell you about this internship. You know, we leave in like five or six days. So they were like getting ready to jam. Yeah. And he's like, by the way, do you have any friends that, you know, might want to hear about this too? And you know, he was a smart recruiter. And I was like, sure. <laughs> so, I got my dumbest friend ever, my buddy, Jason Bungie. That's like, you know, Bungie's the kind of dude that's like, gonna freaking jump off the empire city and he's like sure and uh <laughs> so i call bungee we call him you know and i say bungee dude some sort of opportunity come to lunch with me tomorrow man so me and bungee go have lunch with andrew mead and uh by the end of the lunch he's signing us both up and telling us about the car caravan he came and met my parents the next night which they still talk about and uh we left that thursday and uh we literally left and car caravan from seattle to nashville for that first summer uh in 94 and at the time we had no idea where we were going to go it wasn't until the end of sales school they told us that summer we we're going to be in dallas texas which oh, you know i again high school in alaska i'd never been around humidity so that was that was awesome or heat oh that kind of heat anyway that's yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh. welcome to torture wow yeah so that was my Dang, in the Southwestern. So 94, was that the same year as Yvette? Yvette was 95. She was one that's year. Right. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Legendary summer. And that's that first one is always the one I, I, I like to like really dig into the beginning of because it's such a it's it's a wet St. Bernard, as as uh, Bill Zizzy calls it, when it just hits you. And especially yeah. if you got recruited, I got recruited Wednesday of finals week. So I'm with you. Like the, oh, you, just, you go from like yeah, we have no plans. We're going to do this for the summer. No clue what this even yep. is. Next thing you know, two weeks later, you're, hi, are you the mom of ass? Yep. Wild. So how did that first summer play out? And how did you know you wanted to come back for another, oh, I don't know, 19 years? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Dude, 29 years. I'm still with Southwestern. So I've been, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, that's true. You know, I... I'm trying to think back. I, I think for some of us, if I had heard about it much earlier, I probably would have talked myself out of it. 
but it just, it hit me the right way. Like I was in a, I was in a, a group of friends, just, just habits weren't good. I just needed a shift, man. I wanted something to kick me in the butt. I was looking for something to just kind of shake it up. And, uh, and so it hit me perfect. And so when I went out, Andrew Mead on the caravan to Nashville, I remember him telling me that he thought Bungie was going to kill it because Bungie was real talkative and coachable and kind of a yes man. And I was just really quiet and kind of skeptical and not saying much. And he, he, he remember he's, he always said, I thought Bungie would kill it and you'd quit. And, uh, the, the two of us, they had already had all their host families set up. So the two of us had to go knock on doors and find our own family in Dallas. And, uh, nice. just the two of us were roommates and got bikes. You know, neither one of us had a car, uh, week three, Bungie rode his bike home at the end of the night says, dude, I'm, I'm out, man. I'm, I'm out. This sucks. He's like, let's go home, man. Ken Griffey Jr., Seattle, baseball, you know, come on, let's go home. We can landscape. We got the summer job waiting for us. Oh, dude, misery loves company. And, and so he wanted me to to jet with him. And uh, I just, I, I'll st I still look back to, to those pivotal times in our life where I remember, I don't know why, I don't know what it was, but I remember just saying, let me, let me think about it till Sunday. And I remember saying, man, I got to stay. I got to do this. And so for the next three weeks, I had no roommate. He left. They didn't have anyone for me to live with. So I was living alone. And it was just, I remember waking up, just eating some cold cereal and riding my bike off the turf in Dallas. And, uh, wow. and it, it really, it really sharpened me, man. I mean, it really got me tough. Like I, I felt like I had a bit of, bit of a cake life up to that point. And this is something that really helped me think differently. So Ended up doing fine, did a few thousand units, got a check for 12,000. Didn't know why, but it was bitter at the end of the summer. Um, I was very Jekyll and Hyde. Like I was very, their best friends if they bought, but I was just, just very volatile emotions and didn't treat people the way I should have. And it's just, so I felt ugly. I felt ashamed at the end, actually, even though I had made good money and people thought that was neat. I felt ashamed of, of it. And, uh, I didn't want to have anything to do with another summer. I was, I was cold as heck, went back wow. to CC, got a job at Alaska airlines, <clears throat> um, loading the airplanes. And, uh, and then it was actually Amy Brock divine that wouldn't stop pestering me in, uh, God, probably November, December. She kept saying, come to the awards banquet, come to the little get back. It would just be fun to see you. You don't have to work with us again. It would just be fun to see you. And it was kind of neat because she wasn't my manager. So it, she seemed safe. Like it wasn't my manager trying to quote, get me back or make money off. There's no financial. Yeah. There's no financial incentive. So it felt more, yeah. and it, it was knowing, knowing Amy, it was probably really genuine. Yeah, exactly. It was massively genuine. Her heart, it, you do know Amy. And I mean, yeah. dude, 17 years of doing mission work abroad. Like she's got the biggest heart in this world. Um, and even then though, I still was unsure. Well, Andrew Mead in about January said, dude, let me come over to Port Orchard where I was living kind of a couple hours away from the city. He says, let me just meet a few of your friends. We'll go out. We'll have some, you know, have some pancakes, whatever. Of course, he's going to do an info session. <laughs> interview. And I remember he's like, I'll buy the pancakes. And I remember just scarfing pancakes for about an hour and a half. And at the end of the meeting, I, I, I looked at him. I, it was me and I brought four of my friends. And I remember looking at him saying, I think you just got five people to do Southwestern next summer. Cause I just, they were all excited. And I was, I was like, man, I need to do this again. I, I, I had unfinished business and I needed to go figure out how to be 
be better with people and be better with my emotions. And that was when I made the decision to come back. I brought those four with me and then I added a fifth. And so I brought a five person team yeah. and came back for a second summer. That's awesome, man. Can you imagine, you just mentioned two key moments in your life where if those, if, if pancakes weren't involved, where would your life be without pancakes? <laughs> Dude, right? You know what I mean, exactly. If you would have taken me out for like burgers or something, it wouldn't have been the same. No, no. <laughs> you need to get a tattoo of pancakes somewhere. Like, I know you got a cool sleeve. You got to get like a tattoo of pancakes, like some, cake, some hot cakes somewhere. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> Take good your ribs point. and maybe make them out of the shadow or something like that. <laughs> right. But on a serious note, like, you know, like you ever think back when you're, you know, just driving or whatever, when you're in your races, like what would happen to you? Where would you be if you would, if, if you would, what was, what was his name? Bungie? If you would have gone back with him, like, where would you be? What would your life be like? Dude, Andres, I do a lot, man. I really do a lot. And, and wow. you know, it, it's just, I don't know. I, it's funny. And, and I say this, there's Pearl Jam, my favorite band has a song called WMA and it's called White Male American. And it, it just talks about privileged people. And, you know, there's that part of me even growing up where it's just like, why do I deserve any of this? And that's a battle. You know, it's a battle in my head where I, um, I don't know why it's emotional to me, but it's something that I, I do look back at that a lot. And I'm like, I don't know why I deserved to, to make those decisions or, or have these opportunities. Um, but it, it, it turns into something inspiring to me to give other people a chance or to help other people have redemption or to whatever. So it's like, I can either be ashamed of it and, you know, or I can try to use it for good. Mm. So that's, that's a lot beautiful. of what drives me. That's beautiful. Uh, okay. Ooh, I, have, I have so many questions for you, man. I'm trying. <laughs> this is so, this is so uh, uh, inspiring. And this is what I love about this show is we get to talk about this cool stuff that, you know, you don't hear in an advanced sales tape, but um. Uh, on the note of like, when you look back in your time with Southwestern and you look at your life now, you know, whether with your business or as a, as a dad or as a husband, like what, what are some things that you take that you, you say that you took or you still like tap into from your experiences of learning throughout, whether that first summer or, you know, any of the summers that you were there, like what, what are some things that you've applied to the most in your life? Yeah. Well, the, the first one that I think of a lot is perspective, man. I, I just, when I lose perspective, I get ugly. I mm. get critical of people. I, um, I, I get anxiety and I, you know, I'm sure things that all your audience can relate with and books gave me perspective, man. It, it just helped open me up. I, I got to sit down with thousands of other families over the summers and, and just, just think and get my ass handed to me to, for lack of a better, you know, and yeah. So it gave me a lot of perspective on, and I remember after my first summer, I got that check for 12 grand. I bought a shiny new red truck and I was too cocky to get insurance on it. And lo and behold, that December I was driving in the snow, totaled the damn thing. The whole summer check was gone. And, it, and it's just things like that, that give you perspective. Like I get to look back now and think, okay, it's just money or it's just whatever. And, and, and so, so many of those Southwestern stories, man, they, 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 they really did give me a lot of perspective. So that way, when we're in pandemics, you know, whether they're global pandemics like COVID or, or their personal pandemics or personal adversity, it's like, okay, this, I'm, I'm going to breathe in perspective through this. I'm going to not get rattled as easily as maybe someone else might. Uh, and it just helps you stay, stay calm. And so that's, that's a big one. Um, 
I think the power of not being an island, I, I always was a, for some reason had grown up just a prideful person and, and was like, I can do this on my own and kind of had this angst with the world for some reason. It's part of why I fell in love with Pearl Jam in the early 90s is they were just like bitter, <laughs> angry people. <laughs> like F everybody. And I was like, yeah. And uh, and man, it's it's cool now with their music because they they've they've they have such a heart, man. They're so giving and so much love. And and it's like I I I really connect with their lyrics and their music because it's I can also relate. I feel like the, a lot of that angst has been calmed. And my point was being around people, not having pride of feeling like I have to do it on my own. Books taught me that too. Like lean on other people, man. The more I try to do this on my own, the more I'm going to fall on my face. The more I get support, encouragement, camaraderie, etc., I shine. Oh, so good. This is brilliant, sir. This is brilliant. I, I, I commend you for that because uh, perspective, I always thought for me, like when people talked about attitude in the book, deal, was how good attitude, good attitude. And it was always like positive attitude. And people always, I feel like confuse that with, the word attitude with like being optimistic, which could be the same thing. But to me, attitude is more like perspective, yeah. which means having a positive attitude doesn't necessarily mean be positive. It means look at this the best way possible. And, and if you're in a situation which just genuinely sucks because life is like that, right? You broke your foot mile 62 or whatever, right? Or I don't know, like go through a breakup or you, whatever, all the, whatever struggles life throws at you. And, and you think to yourself, all right, what this situation sucks. And having good perspective also includes taking ownership for that situation and being like, hey, I understand that this is a situation that I'm in, whether by my own devices or because life is just like that sometimes. But being able to step outside and look at it from the best way possible, even though it's a ter terrible situation, is different than it's going to be a great day. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, it's, it, exactly. it's, there's a line, I feel like. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. That's, that's yeah. brilliant. No, I, I think it's, it's true. It's easy to kind of brainwash ourselves into kind of fake thinking. I, I feel like there's affirmations and self-talk can be fake and then they can yeah. be authentic and real. And it's, I'm continually trying to refine self-talk to where it's real. It's not some, you know, I remember my first person I shadowed on the book field, a guy named Doug Weller at day two, and he ran around all day saying, I love my job. And I remember the next day, like, okay, I'm supposed to be coachable and I'm supposed to do the same thing that Doug did. And so I remember running around like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, my name's Ron. Are you the mom here? And boom, slam. You know, I love my job. Just all damn day. I love my job. And I remember feeling like such a fraud. Like, I hate my damn job. This sucks. And, and, and learning how to just say, you know what? Every hour gets my best. Every family gets my best. I'm locked in. Nothing can distract me. Man, I'm, 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 no one can impact my attitude. It's that you know, affirmations that actually worked versus stuff yeah. that felt kind of fake. Uh, yes. Yes. So. I trained my, I love this. I, I, I was like sharing this, my, my brother, this is what I trained him. I'm like, Hey, look, you're going to hear other people say like best day ever. Or when it rains, you're going to hear them say liquid sunshine. Listen, <laughs> let me just like, let me just be real with you. We sell books. And when it rains, that sucks really yeah. bad. Now that sounds terrible to say. Yeah. But but here's the thing. What's better for you to be like, it's liquid sunshine or or to be like, hey, look, you know what? It sucks to sell in the rain. It really does. But I, it doesn't matter because I'm a man of my word. And I said I was going to work no matter what. And because of that, I'm going to go to the next door and That's just good. show these books as best as I say. How much better is that? That, that your brain knows you're not BSing it. Like it's like, 
it, does, it knows it's not full of shit, right? You're, you're like, oh no, I am, I am a badass. And then you knock on the door and you feel like a badass because nobody else is doing that. So then it just kind of self prophesizes when you're being real with yourself rather than just like, I love Dude. the rain. Yeah, well Whatever. said. Man. That's a great point. Your bros, Danny. Yeah, 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 Danny, yeah. You probably met Danny in Asia, right? Yeah, it's neat to think how that has probably made a massive impact for him. And it's just way to go. Like, like you to share that because it's, that's sustainable. I don't know how many years your bro's yeah. been in Southwestern, but I've heard he's building an incredible business an incredible organization. Yeah. And it's 10 now. Holy cow. You know, the, there's, there's the short term manipulated stuff that can get the gimmicky, get me up for the day, but it just is not sustainable. And right. the real stuff that you talked to Danny about and that we're talking about right now, that is sustainable, man. That is long term infinite game stuff not some short-sighted crap so yeah, i i love that you yeah i love i love this i love what you're saying here because this is this is the real when people are like how do how, how do they continue how like these people yvette and ron's and you know matt actually these people who are really good at this job like how do they continue that's how right it's just you're just real with yourselves and it's a lot easier to be yourself when you're being real with yourself and then you show up at the door and it's it's a lot more genetic more, more organic more genuine i said genetic genuine um yeah and 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 it's brilliant so that's cool on that note i wanted to ask you about this because you're one of the few people that we have on the show we have had on the show that i can actually ask about consistency and i know i know you mentioned this a little bit in the green room before we get ready to record but this is something i could probably pick about you naturally because you hit more 75 times in nine full summers and your first summer you didn't hit more which means there's only a certain number of weeks out of a hundred and whatever and you hit 75 times more that speaks to the consistency and that speaks to that to a, a, a ability to get in flow and get into that so i wanted to ask you what were some of the keys uh, uh as you were doing this and how this whole like record came about because that's hard to do and so how, how what were some keys for you throughout your career that like helped you stay with that consistency yeah i think i think just being aware like i, I love to study people and just study trends and to study people. And I, and I always remember seeing my first couple summers, I never hit more. <clears throat> it wasn't until my, the middle of my third summer. And, oh, I, wow. and I remember seeing people hit it. I won't get into the specifics, but I remember seeing a variety of people have a great week or, or whatever it was. And then they would dip, they would take their foot off the gas and you, you'd see these roller coaster examples. And I always remember thinking, man, it would be neat to just be, be able to sustain these things. Um, and I remember that third summer, our, our group was, was really like 1996, I guess it was <laughs> to date myself. Um, you know, we were fired up like university of Washington was nowhere on the map before that. We were like, let's, let's go, let's get this sucker to number one. Let's get, let's, why are we going to fly in these people from Virginia and Texas and Florida to speak in Seattle? Come on. We, we should be the ones going to others. And, and we developed this culture, of kind of angry young like but also like let's go we pushed each other hard and so a lot of people that summer in our group had some good weeks but i, I remember hitting more at the first week and thinking okay i have to back this up and i wrote i remember writing sunday night before the next week and again whether people sold books or not on this podcast this is a i remember writing my nickname because y'all remember how we would have nicknames every week and i would write way, yeah. i would write my nickname before the week began and I wrote my nickname, Real Men Go Back to Back. And I'll, and I'll always remember doing that. <laughs> and, 
was a kind of slight, kind of a slight, because I got that little inner competitiveness to um, <laughs> Jerry Morales and Christian and a couple of my boys that had hit more, but then they went back down to four, five, six, seven hundred, whatever. And uh, and it was kind of like, I got it back to Zip. seven. You got it. Yeah. And and so that was where it started. It was just like, okay, I don't want to be one of those that goes backwards. And then, you know, that turned into the next thing of like, I wonder how I could do it in week one the next summer, or I wonder how I could do it no matter what happened. And so just really learning to train my brain to think back then 200 units in a day was the, the numbers were different. And so training my brain to where I really believed and bought into the certain packages, the certain customers, the certain things to hit at least 200 a day. So that way, even if I fell short, I'd still hit 1100, you know, 600, you know, 200 a day times six, obviously 1200. Even if I fall short of it, I'll hit 1150 or 1050. Wow. So it just, it got, and, and now to my detriment, I, this is funny looking back because that's where I never broke out of that pattern for many, many, many years. I rarely ever would hit more than 13, 14, 1500. But then that's when Kaya and others, um, gosh, we had Ruthie in our group, Kaya, some others came along and then they learned how to take, get out of that. So I, I had put a ceiling on myself. I got so programmed that 11, 1200 was the, so anyways, it was good. I was consistent, That's wild. but it's, it's interesting looking back where I never was able to get to the next level. Right. So, okay. Okay. So on this, cause this is pretty, pretty nuts for people who didn't sell books and really for people who sold books, who never hit, I never hit more. Uh, Danny chased it for a while. Uh, he had the Mort muffin, which is a Grant Greeter idea. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mort muffin. No, I haven't, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it's disgusting. Basically he bought a muffin and Grant said, you can't eat that muffin until you hit more. And so he put it on his dashboard week one of his summer. And it was like week six by the time it was ready. Right. So he took a bite of it. Obviously, puked it all out. But sure. uh, but that was like the goal, right? But for you, do you think it was harder to do it the first time, the second time, or the last time? I mean, like what 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 did it feel like each? Because I feel like those are different experiences. The first time you're like ah, like what was what were those yeah instances like? Yeah, that's a good question. For me, for me personally, the first. Yeah, just then it's like okay, game on. And, and I obviously, when I did it right away, the training of our brain, this is a nonstop, you know, activity in life, right? As we're constantly reprogramming and, and, and working on readjusting our thoughts, reframing thoughts. Um, I, I had a guy earlier today I was working with because he was saying, I am this, I am that, which was very present tense. And I just said, hey, dude, th those things happened in your past. I have been this. I have been that. But today's version of us is not yesterday's version. Today and tomorrow's version is new. And until we reframe thoughts, so when I hit more, I, I you know, that, that was an example. That first time was like, okay, this is like me. And I remember my, my leaders, thankfully, were great. Nate Vogel, Jeff Rogers, like they, they, they didn't over-celebrate it. They weren't like, you have arrived. Like it wasn't some big, it was like, dude, that's like you. That's, that doesn't surprise me a bit, man. Wow. And, and so they, they were, they were, they acknowledged it and celebrated it, but they also set me up for the sustainability of it because it's like, that's like you, there's no re you know, I, I knew you'd be doing it, man. Now it's what's the focus Makes for next week. And, and that, that really helped me think, okay, cool. No big deal. This is what, this is the new norm. Wow. And then, and then you mentioned about hitting it like the first week of a summer. I feel like that's also really challenging because you don't have any names. It's a cold, it's, like, it's the coldest you are. 
besides yep. like getting into a new town, but even that you could still kind of, you know, control in your own way. But brand yep. new turf, how, what, what, what was there like a moment where you were nervous about that and you were not sure how to, like, how did you tackle that problem of like, yeah. okay, I don't have my names. I don't have my maps. I don't have any of that. Yeah. I, so a couple little tech, I don't, I don't know how technically you want to, but I, I would fly out sure, to yeah. sales school. To me, if I was going to sell in a county in North Jersey or Long Island or Connecticut or wherever, I, I would I would spend money and fly out and you know invest some time to get to know the school districts, the language, the curriculum. Because day one, I wanted the moms, the Mrs. Joneses, the people I was approaching, to think I had been there forever. I know it's day one, but I, what I would do is I'd bring my names folder from the past summer, so I'd have all my names from the past summers. And I'd be looking at all those names I still remembered because that's that's my conviction. That's my confidence. That reminds me of all those memories of all those families who were like, thanks, Ron. You know, just, just happy families of love that we did. So I, I was always thinking about those names at the door. And then when, they, when she opened the door, I had already done plenty of research on my turf, you know, day one. And then it's just hustle. If I can rock 14 hours that first day and even at least get a couple customers, game on. It, there's no reason why I'm not getting 10 a day after that. And, uh, now in North Jersey, no one ever wanted that turf. Jersey and Long Island, man, New York, like it, it's jungle yeah. type stuff. Only, I mean, the New Jersey state motto: "Only the strong survive." <laughs> and so, dude, permits were like we would get kicked out of turf constantly. And so, where I sold in Texas my first summer was very different to 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 Jersey. And so, I remember having to start each Monday with new turf. A lot of new, a lot of weeks oh, to start where it was, and so I, I, I had to learn how to start in new turf, but but act as though I had been there forever, and have only two names that I could really use, but have them seeing dozens and dozens and dozens of names, and there was the impression that all these are all names from this neighborhood, and and how to do that with integrity where you're not lying, but yet you're still, you know, seeming as though you've been really successful in this neighborhood, and uh. Wow. And that helped. That helped. That's it. That's that's brilliant too. The the the, the moral line there. That was good. That you define that. That's awesome. Seventy five times, man. That's crazy. Now, listen. So we got. I have you for another twenty minutes. Are you still good on time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's still so much more to talk about, but this might mean that you have to come back for another episode. Okay. Because. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to ask you about the story that Dan Moore told me about you, which I don't know how long that that story takes. And then, of course, there's other like any sort of like book book stories that you might have to do there. So we could move into ponytails now, so we could get you right on the on the timing that you need to be to be step out by. But uh, but if we don't get to everything, just as long as you come back, we're good. Yeah, I don't care, man. I'll follow your lead. Whatever you whatever you want to dive into. Yeah, let's let's go let's go do some ponytails here for now. Just and if we you know, and then that way that you're in control of you know how long you want to tell the stories for. But you know, if we have to come back, we'll come back. But uh, let's go into that one. I want to ask about this one because uh you know the one I'm talking about, so to not spoil it about what happens, I'll just let you tell it from beginning to end. But uh, I think this is one of the most impressive things that you were able to do this and just walk me through like the mentality that you had for this. And so walk us through what yeah. was Monday like and then through Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, some of it we've kind of touched on because that, that is the mentality of where you've, you've I've, at the, this time, I've trained my brain so much into the no matter what mentality. There, there's this no matter what attitude of like, non, there's non-negotiables. There's certain things that are negotiable and mood driven. And well, if this happens, then the, the if then, right? If this, then this. There's other things that are like, 
it is going to happen. And, and you just have this belief that is so unshakable. And I think everybody can relate with that. So um, Westfield, New Jersey, Scotch Plains, New Jersey, long story short, was getting these sit downs. I remember um, I would go to the bathroom a lot in, with, with, with families because even if I didn't have to go to the bathroom, I would splash cold water on my face. And there was something about looking myself in the eyes and kind of, so I would go to the, sometimes that was my bathroom clothes. When I, I would show the books, I'd, on a high moment, I'd say, hey, why don't you talk about it with the kids? Why don't you talk about it with Mr. Jones? Are you okay if I just use your bathroom? Um, man, I just, and, and then you can let me know if it's a yeah or nay. If you want to want to go ahead and order them and I'll explain how we do the delivery or if it's not for you, no big deal. And so I would have the perfect momentum, buying atmosphere, set them up for the yes or no, not the maybe. And then I'd say, can I use your bathroom? And I went into this bathroom and I just took a while for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> And I would go in there and, I, and what I would do is I'd get my head right that when I came back out, whether they said yes or no, I was locked in on that next house. I'm unshakable. Ain't nobody else gonna affect my mood. Nobody can take my smile away from me. I'm gonna come out of this house. And, uh, and, and if she said yes, I was like, awesome. Let's sign them up and get them going. If they said no thanks, I was gonna love on them, treat them unconditional, not like I did my first summer and leave them in a great mood and move on to that next house. Well, I come out of this house after a while and the mom has the cops there. And uh, long story short, she says that I was in her bathroom for like 20 minutes. And I, she, she looked out of my car. She said, I was a kid from Seattle working for a company from Nashville. My car had Florida license plates. She started thinking, this guy's a, you know, I got all these checks written out to me. She just started kind of overthinking everything, right? And then she started thinking, I'm using all these names of her neighbors. And long story short, she called the cops while I was in the bathroom. They come, they, they harass me and these basic cops are just kind of over the top. So they give me a warning. I leave for the next house, but it wasn't for about an hour later where then three cop cars pull me over. And, and for some reason they had kind of done more investigation and whatnot in the, in the previous hour, they come and say, Hey dude, we're taking you in, grab your stuff, grab your freaking rental car and, and all your gear and all your weird motivational stuff. <laughs> Because these are like Jersey. I mean, it was Westfield, Jersey. It's like right outside of Newark. Man. This is like Elizabeth and Newark type. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they don't believe in happiness. Exactly. I mean, I'm just some nice little kid from Seattle working for a company out of Nashville, having everybody write checks to Ron Alford for stuff I'm going to deliver in September. Doesn't add up. On a Florida plates. And looking and back. I'm like, Why are you smiling? Dude, exactly. Looking back, I'm like. God, that's true. It doesn't add up. How did, how the hell did we do this? And uh, yeah, right, there's so many yeah. times you look back, you're like, what the hell were we? Exactly. Who, who let me into their house? What were they thinking? Exactly. So they they <laughs> literally, man, they sat me down and started accusing me. I guess there had been someone in previous weeks that had been doing some burglaries. There had been some house jobs that had happened. They start thinking this has got to be the dude, and they lay the hammer down. Like I'm I'm in their their full court press, like three of them turning up the heat in this room, laying it on, accusing me of everything, trying to get me to break and, and basically acknowledge that I had done all these things, which of course, no, no, no. So they end up keeping me overnight in jail. And uh, this was a Tuesday night and it just, I'll, I'll never forget, man. I was just so upset because I was so competitive and all my competitors were out working and selling and 
I'm in your bets out there hitting more. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even care about being in jail. I just wanted to be out selling. And uh oh, it's just <clears throat> so long story short, got out that next day, had a good day, ended up having to go to court Thursday. Um, but it had a big Friday, Saturday, and just said, I gotta get my head right. And it's I, I always remember headline news. If there's any alumni that I sold with, they would remember I would used to talk about headline news because I wanted to make headline news. Like when people have good weeks, it's kind of cool. When people have good weeks in spite of massive adversity, it makes headline news. Like yeah. CNN, Fox, you know, the media, that they, they, they put the lead story on the front page of USA Today to get people to buy that newspaper, but it's gotta be a dramatic story. And, and, and those are the movies. That, and I always remember thinking, man, I wanna make headline news. I wanna do something, not just cool, but in spite of something. And so that really rallied me a lot those summers. And uh, and yeah, was able to hit Mort that week, even though being in jail and court and all that crazy crap. That is the craziest thing, man. How big was your Saturday? I mean, do you remember this? The, uh, no, I mean, three, three something. Yeah, I had a three, 300 something Friday, 300 something Saturday. So it was maybe six or 700 between those two days. And then thankfully I had yes. enough Monday and Wednesday and the time where I did work. So that's so crazy, man. That's crazy. Like, do you think back to yourself and go, that was wild? Or is that like, because yeah. I, mean, I feel like the way your brain works is like, that's, I ran 100 miles. That's normal. Dude, you it's know, not. <laughs> it's I do. I think about that's wild in two ways. One, it's a confidence anchor. It's something that reminds me, like, we all have these things from our youth and, and growing up and things that remind us we are capable. We, we can do this. We, we can, you know, so it, on one hand, I think of it as remarkable and like, man, that's, no ego or arrogance. It's just more gratitude. Like, God, it's cool that, that those things happened. On the other hand, I think, who cares? Like, my kids don't give a crap. My, my kids, I got three freaking kids going through puberty right now, man. That You, you think they care about Mordutley and all that? Ish? No. So it's, it's also good humbling, you know, where it's like the dude talking about the high school football stories. You know, when I was in high school in 10th grade, I blah, 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 blah. So it's a good reminder, Andres, to remind me, like, what have you done lately? I'm not going to be some dude that's Johnny football talking about the glory days, you know, um, like it's, it's, it's a rally. Like I got to use those principles that helped me those in those things. How can I use that stuff today? So anyways, brilliant. Fun. Brilliant. Okay. Last question. And then, uh, and if there's still time, I'll have some blitz questions that I always like to ask, but last question, yeah. who right now do you look up to the most? Like who in your life do you go, man, that that's the person that really inspires me. Can I say Jesus and Teddy Roosevelt? You can say Jesus and Teddy Roosevelt, but we, we, we would, we would, you know, and you're, and you're more than welcome to share why. I, I, you those know, are good. Those are really good. The man yeah, in the arena. I just think people that were not swayed, and no matter what someone's religious beliefs are and whatnot in here, that's not the point. But these these are people that just faced massive persecution. They went against the odds. They went against the grain. They did the unpopular. They they faced so much unfairness, um, but they really believed in what was right. They they had this 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 piece of them that was unbreakable, un you know unwavering. And uh, those to me are just people that I, I really think of in my head <clears throat> that I respect a lot. And it, and it means a lot. There's two more I'll give you. John Damaral is 81 years old. He's the leader of a nonprofit I'm in called Liberty Road Foundation. And man, he's, 
he just has an incredible heart for God. He's just passionate. He did 81 push-ups on his 81st birthday. And he's about yeah, five foot nothing. And he just, dude, he has <laughs> been through so much in his life. I went through a very unexpected divorce. And I remember talking to John and realizing he had gone through two divorces. Two, two women had left him in, in his earlier years. I mean, you talk one in like his 40s, one in his 60s. He had, and, and he had no bitterness. He didn't say anything bad about him. He said, man, he rejected them like crazy. And, and he, he, he was able to take all these wrongs and still believe. Um, and then the other is Dan Moore. And, and it's, it's yeah. cool being on this podcast to say that. I still, to a lot, always think about how Dan Moore never made it about him. He, he remembered the little things. His ability to listen and hear was just next level. And, and I just, that's, that's an example for me that I think of often. Yeah. I would, I would agree with, with, with Dan more that way too. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, pe people, people have differing opinions after they leave Southwestern and they want to always blame kind of like corporate and all that stuff. And, and you know, they're entitled to, I don't know. Right. Yep. But from a personal experience, like when you, when you talk to Dan Moore and he remembers the name of your cat in eighth grade and you're like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what? Exactly. Like, that is what? For everyone. Everyone he ever meets is Dude, exactly. I saw him how he treated early leavers, alumni that sold 500 units eight years ago. Like he, he, he Andres, you hit it. He treated people with dignity, not treated. That, that makes it sound like it's treats. It's yeah. very present. He he just treats people and looks at people like they matter. They all matter, and and he's very unconditional with how he treats people. And that's that's something I'm really working on. I'm really. Uh, not great at it yet, but I'm really trying to be better at it. It's such a gift when you, cause you feel seen by someone like that. When, when you're like, we had an interaction in the hallway at the company, you know, seven years ago. And today you're calling me about the thing that you remembered because it, because of that, like you just, that connection. Uh, we had Tesla plant, Tesla plant on here. She sold books. She was the number one first year, like 2017 or something. And her dad sold, uh, her dad passed away when she was younger. And I guess Dan Moore just kind of bumped into her when she, she hadn't become the number one first year yet. So there was, she was still like, kind of like just, I think a sales school or something. And she bumped mm -hmm. into her and he was like, Hey, your dad looked like, and she, like he told her about her dad. Wow. And it was like a really important moment in her life because that was like a, she spoke on the episode about it, like how that really shook the kind of people that worked at this company, you know, uh, and that they could treat you in such a way with, with that dignity. So that was, yeah, I like that you share that. That's really amazing for yeah. sure. Um, okay. Here's what we'll do. I have, I definitely need to have you back on the show. If you, if, if you'd be open to it, buying atmosphere here, that'd be great. Uh, when we have more time to talk about more Southwestern stories, cause I'm sure 20 years you have one or two more, um, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll jam here with the last, I always like to do these blitz questions. So it's like rapid fire as they come to my head and, and just kind of, as you think about it, um, since you sold a lot of summers, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. And actually, uh, this rapid fire segment uh, brought to you guys by Southwestern Real Estate. Pat Roach is a big fan. He's one of our uh, big, big, uh, big supporters. Uh, he is currently hiring. So uh, you guys, if you want to get into real estate, this is a good time because houses are going for sale. So you can make some good money uh, yep. right now with, with that. So let us know if you want to reach out to, to Pat for you so you can get a, you know, interview there. But okay. So Pat Roach, uh, quick rapid fire questions. Here we go. Number one. Favorite territory you sold in? Fairfax County, Virginia. Nice. Solid, solid. Fairfield uh, County, Connecticut. And I'm tied. Oh, okay. 
It's like my favorite kid. Come on. It was all good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. Worst territory you sold him. You're like, never again. The rest of it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> freaking Westfield, New Jersey, man. I told yeah, I was you. Gonna say, the <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty slam dunk. I don't know if something worse happened somewhere else. But no. Fair enough. <laughs> um, okay. Big brick, country, or suburbs? Oh, dude. I, I got it admit i love the rural the country um just there's something about down home people that aren't expecting you and whatnot but but if i had to go rock the units big brick man let's go let's let's deal with the movers and the shakers <laughs> i love that uh biggest rival in your career they're like who did you compete with the most you're like this is i got it no matter what i'm gonna beat this you're the rose and tears is he yeah peggy spillinger was probably it you know i i, I did get her most summers but she always kind of she was just cute and like four foot 10 and she always wear a bow in her hair. And she's like, it just had a perfect approach and uh, she was so good. So yeah, Peggy Spillinger, Amy Brock Devine, those, those ones for sure. Solid, solid, solid. Um, best, best breakfast spot you had throughout your summers. If you, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. The VD, the Valley Diner, the venereal disease. We ate at the <laughs> VD in uh, orange Connecticut um dude that's funny these things come back to you we had three waitresses we named sunshine darkness and camel um because camel of course just stunk like cigarettes sunshine was like every day she was just in a good mood and spreading joy and then darkness was gloomy man she was ooh, she was ugly and uh so that we had those three waitresses i'll always remember <laughs> oh, i love that and then last one favorite advanced sales tape uh, God, I listened to music, man. I didn't listen to advanced sales. I, was, <laughs> I, I turned the damn music up. So I don't, I didn't have one. All right. That's fine. Fair enough. In that case, I'll replace it with favorite podcast lately. Uh, I still listen <laughs> why is it? To mostly, but, um, why is I, that ponytails? <laughs> yeah, let's go ponytails. Come on. I mean, this is one that I definitely want to be listening to more. It's, uh, I think, to me, um, God, Tim Ferriss, this is good because I think his ability yeah. to ask great questions, I think he's got a lot of great guests on there and that's one that I'll listen to sometimes. But yeah, that's that's what I would say. That's right. That, it's a tie between that and the ponytails. I, I know it. Tim Ferriss <laughs> slash ponytails, not in that order. Not yeah, in no particular order. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it. All right, man. Well, uh, we can start wrapping it up with this one, uh, guys. If you want to reach uh, Ron, if you guys have some questions for him, uh, you can find him on LinkedIn. If you sold books, you just want to say hi. Uh, you can always go reach him there as well as uh, on Instagram at Ron Alfred Coach, um, and you can go message him there if you want to know more about uh, like working with him or Will Metcher. Uh, with Southwestern Consulting, they do a really good job of coaching others. Um, of course, uh, we also want to shout out a couple quick things, a couple people we didn't mention. So sorry. Uh, we want to elevate wellness. Thank you guys so much for getting us in shape for Bizzler. We had a blast, and uh, these guys are good. If you if you have an upcoming Sizzler, they have a giant Sizzler shred coming up right now. Good packaging, and they're giving out prizes for it. If you want more details on that, check the link below. Um, that's well on its way, but you can still join. Uh, thank you so much for NLI Energy. You guys are the greatest. Uh, Alex Black out there, good buddy of mine. You guys are doing great. They are also hiring, crushing it right now in the solar game. So make sure you join us there. 
And of course, if you guys like what you heard, if you guys want to check out more episodes, uh, this is season six finale, but we are starting season seven uh, with Robin Mukherjee. Great episode. You don't want to miss that. We already recorded it. We've saved that specifically for the season premiere because it's wild. He's got some stories, man. Robin is a class act, man. I love what he's built too. I just wrote briefly. I spoke about three or four Sundays ago in the in the middle of washington state to all the students from bulgaria the czech republic they're all selling in washington summer yeah. that's the legacy that robin has left man and he's still huge heart for people awesome yeah he's awesome uh blanca see. blanca and some of those guys are up there yeah Blanca's yeah there. Got it. she's awesome yeah. and elliot cohen is up there too he he was he's uh, yep. love elliot he was on the show really early, early on yeah, yeah. Great dude Great dude. Um, okay, well, on that note, that is it for season six. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been Ron Alfred, and that means we have to have him back again because we got way more book stories to share. Maybe we'll have you on with Grant and Yvette so we can do like a more party like a mixer episode or something like a party episode or something like yeah. that. Always open to that uh, for sure. Thank you guys so much. My name is Andres Gamble. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe. Follow us. Give us a review, even if it's bad. We like the good and the bad. We need to learn and grow, and we need those bad bad reviews to know what we can do better. We need the good ones to let us know that we're doing a good job. Uh, but thank you so much again, Ron. You are awesome. Looking forward to the next time we have you on. Uh, God bless, my friend. You too, Andres. Thanks for all you're doing, brother.